Well, today I'm going to do something different too. I'm going to, I'm going to just go through some highlights from Romans chapter 5. Really, one verse came to me this week, and, and as I was praying, I, I was, you know, usually Monday or so, I'm praying about what, where to go Sunday in the, the message, and, and uh, had, a, had, had another thought, but then all of a sudden, this thought came to me in Romans 5, and it was like one verse, but then I started reading the chapter, and I thought, we're just going to go through some highlights of Romans 5, but the, the first... Um, first verse I'll just start with that and then we'll go back but it's Romans 5 17 it says this uh, if by one man's offense who's that one man it was Adam okay because of Adam uh, death reigned through the one much more can you say much more so there's not like 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 sometimes you know we'll have a picnic you know, or something, and, and one of the games that's commonly played at a picnic is tug-of-war, you know? You guys ever play tug-of-war? Sometimes, I guess I like tug-of-war if I'm winning, <laughs> you know? Wait till, wait till a moment you can see, and then you get on that side. No, not really, but, but you know, tug-of-war, you know, sometimes people get in their minds that there's this fight in the universe between good and evil, and it's like a tug-of-war, and we're sitting on the sidelines wondering which one's going to get drugged through the mud. But you see, it isn't like that at all. Can you say, not like that? You see, God is much greater. Grace is much greater than anything the devil did through Adam. What God did through Jesus is way more. Do you hear me? The power of grace, the power of righteousness far outweighs anything sin could do. You hear me? It's not like a struggle, like, oh, you know, and, and many, many movies are, are made up like that. The power of good versus evil. Who's going to win? That's what makes the movie kind of gripping that you want to sit and watch it. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the, the, the game is over. We won. We won. He won it for us. So it says here in Romans 5.17, it says, um, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. That's what jumped out at me, that reigning in life, reigning in life. Did you know that you're called to reign in life? To reign. Sometimes it feels like, my goodness, life is reigning on me. No, no, but that's not that. Here's the reality. And this is, this is part of communion, folks. This is saying, all right, I'm getting my head thinking straight here. I'm called to reign in this life through Jesus Christ. See, what he did for us was the ultimate power demonstration, okay? What, what God did in Christ was so powerful that you'd have to wear sunglasses to even watch it. You hearing me? Kind of kidding. It's okay, though. I mean, you know, it's so powerful, it outweighs anything that's ever gone on in our natural realm. So I'm going to jump back and just kind of walk through Romans 5. I'm not going to read every verse. I could. I thought about it, but I just pulled out some of the, the zingers, I could say, and I just want to read them and just take a moment and just meditate on them, think about them, and, and we're going to go down a trail and then we're going to receive communion. 
okay? But in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it starts off, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How many are thankful for peace? Dana used to tell me, you know, she, she still does, I guess, but I think way back when we were first married, she would say this to me all the time. She'd say, peace is my favorite fruit. When Kara was growing up, we said apples were her favorite fruit. Maybe they still are, I don't know. But Dana would always say to me, peace is my favorite fruit. And I, I get it. I kind of get it now because, you know, as I'm walking through this life, I tell you, I treasure peace. Peace with God. You know, when you got peace with God, isn't that the most important thing in the world? I mean, everything going on out here is just, you know, it's, it doesn't, doesn't matter as much when you know you've got peace with God. So it says we've been justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then verse 2, it says, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Wow. I just, I, you know, I, again, I, 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 through the week, I was, you know, I was 17, popped out to me, and then I said, I went home Monday, and I said, Dana, this is what I think I'm going to do Sunday. I'm just going to start in Romans 12, or 5.12 and go through the end of the chapter. She says to me, but have you read verses 1 and 2? So I'm doing it now. I'm reading 1 and 2. We have peace. We have access. Aren't you glad we have access into this grace? It's not a hidden thing. It's not something just out of our reach. God has made, he's done the work to bring us into the fold. You know, don't you hate being out of, out of the loop? You remember in, in like middle school or whatever, did you, ever, did you ever eat in the cafeteria? The only time I ever ate in the cafeteria that I remember was in middle school. In high school, we, we just didn't eat lunch. Or we'd go to McDonald's. But uh, in middle school, I remember there was like a, there was lunchroom tables set up everywhere, you know? And, and uh, did anybody have their own, their table that they just sat at every day? I mean, I did. We had, the, you know? But if I was ever not at that table, boy, I felt lost. I didn't, uh, my goodness, the, the day is, it, you know, everything's raining on me today. What's going on? I'm not at my table. Let me tell you something. You've been invited to the table. You've been given access to come into this grace where which we stand. We stand in this thing. You know, when, I, when I, I've had this habit where when I'm going to preach a message, um, I try to take the key scriptures early in the week. And I, of course, you know, I write them out on my little recipe card, you know, fill both sides. And then I carry them in my pocket so that when I have time during the day, I I pull them out, and I read them. I read them out loud, say them to myself, say them to God, talk to God about them. Well, i got to say that on Thursday, I left it in my shirt, and it went through the wash. And I went down on Friday, and I saw this blue shirt on top of the washing machine that had a shredded sheet. So I'm missing two days. of, <laughs> And I tried to put them back together, but you know how hard it is to put back a recipe card with scriptures on it once it's gone through the wash? It was crazy. Dana had a great attitude about it, too. God bless her. Anyway, <laughs> verse 5, it says this. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Romans 5 is like a classic chapter in the Bible. 
You know, Romans is full of classic chapters. I mean, you got eight, you got six, and you got, you know, uh, 12 is great. But chapter five, I think sometimes it gets overlooked, but it's like a classic. And it's got a verse like this in it that says, hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. Of course, the old King James, you know what that says? It's been shed abroad in our heart. That's what I grew up saying, shed abroad in my heart. But this one says, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You know, if you're a believer, if you're in Christ, God's love is residing on the inside of you. You know, and, and I don't know about you, but I have flesh. I have flesh, no surprise to anybody, right? And, and, and there are times when there are, are voices in my life that grow really strong in my flesh. You know, a, a, a classic example is, is if there were ever traffic in Menominee. There was once. It was the time when the elephant got out of the zoo and he ran around the town and caused disturbance. And there was some traffic, I think, that day. But, but I mean, if there ever was really traffic or there was like a long line at the car wash or something like that, that could push my button. My flesh could get reared up, and it could be like speaking to me in a loud voice. But I'm telling you what, in underneath all that, there's, there's, a, there's a power on the inside of me. It's called the love of God. And it's inside you, too, if you're a believer. The love of God has been poured out in your heart. I think as Christians, what we're endeavoring to do is to tap into that all the time, to walk from that place of the love of God. You know, there's, it's, the love of God is not some wimpy thing, folks. The love of God is the power of God. The love of God sets you free in this life. I mean, I've told this story many times, and I'm not, you know, I'll tell it again because these are my stories. I tell them, you come to Love Church, you're going to hear Pastor Paul's stories. But I remember as a new believer, you know, I've only been born again for a couple months, and I had a radical transformation when I got saved, you know, I, I was a drug user and, 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 you know, whatever, grew up in the 70s. And, and I got freed from that stuff, like, completely. The night I went forward and got born again, I just was like, bam. It was almost like, look back at it, it was almost like I was cheating. It was like all these, these strong poles in my life, they just got cut. But one thing that, that didn't just stop the, the night I got born again was, was smoking cigarettes. You know, I'd smoked cigarettes since junior high, and, and, and you know, I was 20 when I got saved, and, you know, I, I probably smoked every day a couple packs. You know, they were cheap back then, 50 cents for a pack. Anyway, that tells you how old I am, right? But um, I, I felt bad about it. I didn't, I didn't like smoking, you know. I'd tried to quit before, you know, even before I was a Christian. You know, I had enough sense to realize it wasn't good for my body, you know. It wasn't a long-term health goal or anything to see how many cigarettes I could smoke. But it was a habit. Anybody that smoked knows that, you know. And, and, and you know, you try to put it down. It just it was like trying to put down flypaper, if you've ever, ever, ever done that. You know, you put it down. and uh, You know, how do I get it off? You, you take your shoe and you step on it, and then it's stuck on your shoe. And... There's this, all this stuff, all these tricks that I tried to play to get stop smoking, you know, and, and, and nobody was condemning me. Nobody was trying to say, you, you're smoking. 
this was me. This was me condemning me. You know, most times what condemnation comes from, it comes from the devil, of course, but we beat ourselves up more than anybody. Nobody called me a loser or anything because I was smoking, and you know, and just in my mind, it was just like, ah, couldn't get rid of it. And, and, and uh, one night, I'm just, I was at home, and, and, and uh, the Lord just clearly spoke to my heart. Okay? It wasn't like an audible voice, but clearly he spoke words to my heart. And, and these words were so powerful, it set me free. He said, Paul, I'm not going to love you anymore when you quit smoking, as I do right now. I said, really? And, you know, some people hear that. They think, well, my goodness, go out and buy a carton. Smoke up. Spark it up, buddy. No, that wasn't what happened. It was like the power that it had over my life was cut. You see, love is powerful. Are you out there this morning? I tell you, God loves you right where you're at. He loves you right where you're at. And anything you do to walk, you know, closer to him, that's great. I mean, we, we aren't saying, you know, run from God, do bad things. No, we're saying run to him. All we're saying this is that, that, man, his arms are open wide to you right now, today, right where you're at. You might be grumpy today. God loves you. God loves you. You know, there's something on the inside of us that loves you because his love is in us. We're carriers of this powerful force, the love of God. Now, in verse, okay, I'm going to read verse 8 and 9 too. It kind of goes along with that. It says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? The, the ultimate sacrifice, he did it while we were still sinners. He died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, are we saved from the wrath through him. I'm telling you, God, his love demonstrated to us as the most powerful thing. It'll set you free from any kind of addiction. You know, uh, I heard one preacher say this. He was a preacher's kid. He grew up in the church, and, and he said, uh, and he was running from God. And, and he said people tried to scare the hell out of him. People tried to beat the hell out of him. They tried to put him in jail to get the hell out of him. But it wasn't until somebody loved him that it loved the hell out of him. God's love will set you free. Hey, hey, ha, ha. Verse 12, this is where I wanted to start, but I'm, I'm, that other stuff was all free, Okay. Just, just throwing it out there to you. What are we doing? We're talking about Jesus this morning. We're talking about who we are in Christ. We're talking about the new birth. We're talking about communion. We're stirring ourselves up in what God has done for us in Christ. Verse 12, it says, through, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Is, is that a confusing verse? Therefore, by one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and death, you know, spread unto all men because, because one man sinned. You see, the, what Paul's laying out here, the Holy Ghost through Paul is laying out, is that the mess that we are in isn't like our individual messes, okay? Some people say, oh, you don't understand. I've done so many things wrong. I, you know, I murdered my uncle or something, you know? God's love is for you. 
It isn't about everything you've done wrong. You see, all of us were sunk just because of what one man did. One man got us into this huge mess, but another man did more than enough to get us out. Are you out there this morning? All right, hang with me here. Let me read Arthur S. Way's translation. He said it this way. The error of one individual man made the breach through which sin entered our world. And in the track of sin came death. So it was that death passed through that door to assail all men since they all sinned. So let me just talk about it like this. It's talking here about Adam. You see, Adam was like the, 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 the perfect man, okay? God made Adam in the beginning. You can go back sometime and read the story in Genesis chapter 1 through 3, uh, and, and you'll find that God made this world. He made this perfect paradise, you know, and, and he put man in the middle of it. He put him in the middle of Eden, okay? And, and if you read the description of Eden in the first couple chapters of Genesis, you'll find that everything we ever needed was there. Provision was made. Pastor Stephen, you know, read that verse out of Psalm 23, which is such a tremendous portion of Scripture. You know, that, that he, he, he leads us in this life. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He fills our cup till it overflows. I'm telling you, that's, the, that's a picture of God's provision for you and I. Hey, hey. So he made this, this perfect world, and, and he put man, he created him in his own image. And he, he breathed into him the breath, the breath of life. And he put him in this, this garden, Garden of Eden. And he said to, to Adam, he says, I want you to, to take dominion, have dominion. I give you authority. Okay? Adam had authority. I mean, he walked among nature. He walked among the animals. And, and he was the king. Okay? He, in fact, at one point it says that he helped God. He, he, he gave names to the animals. He walked with God in the cool of the day. They enjoyed fellowship together. One of the assignments that God had given Adam was to be fruitful and replenish the earth, to bring forth the family of God. Now, God could have done it any way he wanted. He could have said, family, family of God be, and, 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 you know, the whole world would have been created, you know, right at once. He could have done it that way, but he, he didn't do it that way. He chose to bring forth humanity through one man and one woman, okay? So in the beginning, he made Adam and he made Eve, and they were in a perfected state. He said to them, he says, I want you to reproduce he, his idea was to reproduce people, creatures just like them. Are you out there? You following? He said there's one thing. He says in the middle of the garden, there's a, there's a tree. He says, I don't want you to eat from that tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, in the day you eat it, you'll surely die. Now, it wasn't like when Adam and Eve did go and eat that fruit in, in Genesis chapter 3, they didn't drop over dead. It wasn't like when Snow White uh, ate the apple and she just fell into this deep sleep or something. That wasn't what Adam and Eve did. But what happened, God said that the day you eat it, you're going to die. In fact, if you read on, it says that Adam lived to like 900 years old or something. Something outrageous, you know. 
past, past 65, past 70. He lived like hundreds of years past that day that he ate that fruit. But what happened is the day he ate that fruit, he died on the inside. He took on a new nature. He took on the, what Romans 5.12 says that death came through Adam. It hit Adam first, but then everybody that came from Adam had that nature transferred to him. Now let me pause for a minute. Paul gives us this in the book of Corinthians, but when a, a baby's born, okay, he's not, he's not going to go to hell or anything if he dies, okay? You got that? There's an age of accountability that people reach. But when they reach an age of accountability of knowing good from evil, they, they choose, they, they, they mess up. They choose death. Jesus came to redeem us. What God did through Christ was more than enough to overcome what the devil did through Adam. Jordan translation Clarence Jordan, he says, all right, now it's like this. Through one man, Adam, sin got a toehold in the world. Then through sin, death got in. And that's how death infected the whole human race. And why everybody sinned. Death came through one man. Life came through another. And of course, let me just read this too. I wrote down some things that... that uh, sin did when, when it came into this world. One, it ruined God's original plan for creation, okay? Two, it separated God and man. Sin did. Three, it gave Satan the authority that God had given to man. Four, it put humans in bondage to the devil. Five, a, a curse came upon the animal and the vegetable kingdom. All that happened through one man and the choice that he made. Now, I'm not knocking Adam. I believe there's redemption for Adam. In fact, I personally, I believe we get to heaven, Adam will be there and he's not going to be, you know, wearing a dunce hat or something. Jesus' blood is more than enough. More than enough. Maybe you feel like you've had some bad days. Maybe you feel like you've done some things. Have you ever sent the whole human race down the tubes? There's hope for all of us. There's hope for us. So it goes on. Um, yeah, I can tell you my story. I'll, I'll tell you this story. I, I like to throw this in there. Here's a story. Your parents might have been born in Wisconsin, but before you were born, they moved to Minnesota. Okay, you follow me there? Your parents were born in Wisconsin, but before you were born, they moved to Minnesota. The move they made, even before you were born, affected the state you were born in. Adam and Eve were born in this place, we'll call it the state of life. But before you and I were born, they move from life to death. And the move that they made, it affected the state that we were born in. Okay? So in Romans 15, I'm just staying in Romans 5 today. Been a good day to bring a Bible. Could just leave it in one spot, one ribbon, that's all you need. It says, the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died... Again, here goes Paul. 
is getting something across to me. He's getting something across to you. He says, much more. Can you say much more? The grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. So what, what Paul's getting across is, again, that, that the devil working through one man, Adam, brought the whole human race into this state of death. But, you know, let's not cringe. Let's not say, oh, no, what are we going to do? Because God, through one man, Jesus Christ, and again, Jesus was 100% man, 100% God. While he walked this earth, he acted many times in his humanity. He acted, he really, he walked this earth like Adam walked the earth before sin, okay? That's why, you know, the devil saw him and they said, oh my goodness, have you come to torment us before the time? Because Jesus was walking this earth just like a man was designed to walk it, like Adam did before he fell. So Paul says that, that what, G, what God did through Christ is more than enough. The, the Johnson translation, Ben Campbell Johnson said it this way. He said, the single act of Adam and the single act of Christ are similar in that they affect everyone, but the effect is quite different. Isn't that, would you say amen to that? Grace is more than a match for sin. Verse 19, it says, for if by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. As we receive communion today, our eyes aren't on us and how good we've been. Or how bad we've been. Our eyes are on Jesus and how good he was and what he did for us. Okay? See, I hate to say it, but it's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about us choosing Jesus. It's about allowing, you know, him, us allowing him in our lives to, to have sway, have influence in us. I'll just read the last couple verses, and, and we'll go ahead, and if the ushers want to bring in the communion, that would be great. It says in verse 20, it says, Moreover, the law entered that offense might, the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. You see, the law, the Ten Commandments, the law, it was more than the Ten. It was, there was many, but, but it abounded. It was here from, from Adam right up to Jesus, okay? And, and, and uh, Jesus didn't come to do away with it, but to fulfill it. But the law never saved anybody. Keeping Ten Commandments didn't save anybody. What the law did was put a spotlight on humanity, and it said, look, look how far we've come from the place that God originally intended. We need help. You know what they say with people that are struggling with addictions is one of the first things they need to realize is that they need help. I know that's true for me. Sometimes people call it coming to the end of your rope. I mean, I came to the end of my rope. I know you've heard Pastor Stephen talk about coming to the end of his rope. I watched him do that <laughs> from the sidelines. And, and I said, Lord, help him. But uh, the law didn't save anybody. The law... The, Paul says it like this in Galatians. He says the law was a schoolmaster to point us to Jesus. Okay? I'm not advocating that we break the law, that we throw it away or anything like that. I'm just saying we're not going to put the law on a pedestal because it doesn't save anybody. It just shows us how we've missed it, 
how we need Jesus. We need what he did for us. Anyway, there's some movie where he says, I need, I need. I think it's What About Bob or something. But anyway, that's how I say it. That's how I feel, you know. I'm coming to Jesus. I need, I need. Yeah. Verse 21. So as sin reigned in death, even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Folks, coming back to the very first verse I read, Jesus made the way. He called us. He created us to reign in this life. So we take communion today. You know, let's stir ourselves up and, and, and know, my goodness, the work's been done. The victory's been won. He's called me to live in a place of authority. He's called me to rule and reign in these last days right here on planet Earth. I want to pray if there's anybody here this morning that you, you, you have never made Jesus your Lord. I, I know most people, but, but if there'd be anybody that you've never, you couldn't say for sure that if, if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Well, you need to know that. You, you know, you can know that. You can know it just like someone might know the multiplication tables that two times two is four or, or you know, addition that two plus two equals four and somebody come and tell you, well, two plus three equals four. You'd go, no, I don't care what you say. Two plus two equals four. It's not two plus three. Well, you can know you're going to heaven. Someone might come to you and say, oh, you're not going to heaven. Look at you. You could stand up and say, no, I know. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I know I've received the free gift of salvation. If you don't know that today, there was a time in my life I didn't know it either, you know? In fact, I was pretty sure I wouldn't go to heaven. You know, there wasn't even a question, you know? But, but I, I just, as a young man, 20 years old, I remember I, I was in a, a church-type service, and, and, and they asked for prayer at the end of the service, and that's what we're doing now. Somebody led me in a prayer just like I'm going to lead you. And again, I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know the books of the Bible. I didn't even have a Bible on me, okay? But I knew I needed, I needed Jesus. In my heart, I, I, I was honest with myself and with God, and I asked him in. I was just being real with him. And whatever I prayed, based kind of like on what we'll pray today, I know that God heard me, and I know that he changed me. And it was the beginning of a great adventure. So I invite every person here, every person watching online, to just pray with us right now. Say this with me. Say, Father God, thank you that you love me. You care about my life. I believe in my heart. Jesus is the Son of God believe he died for me, that he rose from the dead, that he lives forevermore. Right now, I ask you into my life, I receive the free gift of salvation. Be real to me. Help me to know you better. Every day I live, in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, if you hold up the bread, the cracker. Um, Father, we do thank you for the body of Christ, broken for us. Think about in 1 Peter, it says that by his stripes, he took our sin, he took our sickness, and by his stripes, we are healed. Thank you, Lord, for the redemptive work. Thank you for what Jesus did for us. I thank you that we read today that it was a demonstration of your love for us. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name. The same way we take the cup and we just thank you for the blood. The blood is more powerful than anything the devil would try to throw. Anything we're facing today, the blood far outweighs it. We hold up the blood today over our lives, over our church, over our families. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power in the blood. We receive this now. We put our eyes on what Jesus did for us and who you've made us. In Jesus' name, amen.